As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What it do, baby? It's the Preachers and Sneakers podcast. The podcast no one has ever asked for and continues to not care about. On today's episode, I got to interview my Instagram friend, Luke Rogers. His last name probably sounds familiar because he's related to Jordan and Aaron Rogers of the Green Bay Packers. Me and him became friends over Instagram, and we just met in Nashville. I'm sitting here in Annie F. Downs' studio where she records That Sounds Fun, and she was gracious enough to let me use her resources and her office and her podcast studio so big shouts out to annie but yeah me and luke sat down and talked about fame we talked about his career kind of being the uh cooper manning of the rogers family which i think is funny and uh talked a little about bourbon and hot sauce and also preachers and sneakers so i hope you enjoy my conversation with luke rogers what it do baby it's your boy preach mcsneak with a quick word from one of my newest sponsors, Uwazi Coffee Company. Uwazi was started by a couple of friends of mine who noticed that there was a true hunger crisis going on in Burundi, Africa, one of the hungriest countries in the world. And along with that, their greatest export, coffee. So these guys tried to come up with a way to help solve the hunger crisis in Burundi by creating Uwazi Coffee Company. Uwazi means transparency in Swahili. And these guys are going to donate $1 for every bag of coffee sold to help end hunger in Burundi. If that's something that interests you, head on over to uwazicoffee.com. That's U-W-A-Z-I coffee.com. Drop your email and you'll get first notification when the bags of coffee are ready. I'm talking to Luke Rogers, a.k.a. Uh, Cooper Manning 2.0. Yeah, he sees all over me. No, I'm, I'm kidding. That's a, that's a joke. But yeah, Luke uh, is a good Instagram friend and now in-person friend who is a uh, kind of like Cooper Manning, a businessman. A I'm, I'm a business man. You're, you're a business, comma, man. <laughs> uh, jack of all trades, has some sports uh, 
experience on the broadcasting side. Yeah, right? I started a company. I started a company, ran it for about six years. I had a sports licensing company. Yeah, the merch on the yeah, merch side? with the NFL, Major League Baseball, about 100 or so retired athletes did that for – it's a real sad story how that all ended, but um, – it's uh, did that for a number of years. I actually started that company when I was finishing well, during my master's, finishing my master's. Oh, snap. So in some ways, similar to your situation, although I don't Somewhat, think you, you set out to start anything. No, that, I didn't. Except maybe I make, your buddy, make your buddies laugh. Yeah, I would have preferred to uh, do it your way, but I guess I'll take... It's pretty my, neat, man. This whole thing is pretty neat. It'll it, be fun when, when uh, the story comes out fully. Like. Yeah, it's... Uh, I, I've appreciated how it's it's grown. I think people in a different position would have probably taken the fame right as it came went on the today show and then squandered the whole thing and it would be completely irrelevant now i decided to do it a little slower mostly for my sanity and to save my marriage uh and in turn it might have a more sustaining <laughs> presence than than maybe what it could have been um but yeah i i wanted to talk to you because uh we're homies and i think we're probably a lot alike we're the same height that's true. And uh, same build. Same build. We actually might bench the same for not being. I mean, dude, I'm I'm old though, so I got the old man strength. Actually, I figured this out, man. I got married in April. Put on about forty pounds since uh -huh. I got married. Um, Good weight. No. <laughs> it's a lot of twelve ounce, a lot of twelve ounce Miller Lights and uh, bourbon weight. Yeah, also, a lot of eating. A lot of do I have a sweet tooth? A lot of sweet tooth sweets. I mm. like it all, but uh, no, it's funny. I got in the gym, so when we were talking earlier about doing a master, my masters, I just worked out a ton, and I think because the schedule's pretty. I'm not nice. trying, this is not like a humble brag, but I think like strongest I've ever been was like 27, 28. There, I think I was, dude. I put up like plus 400 plus on my bench. Sheesh. I was a monster, but I got in the gym this like two weeks ago with my buddy Big Vinny, who's like the strongest dude I know. Used to be 500 pounds, and it was about. 290. Big Vinny's probably killed some people. No, Big Vinny, he's the nicest human being on the planet. Oh, is he? But he is like the strongest country strong dude. And so we put corn fed. We put three plates on the, we put 315 on there and I, I moved it and I was like, man, this is, I haven't been this strong. I don't, I don't know when. Cause I, you know, I, I got down and I tried to get abs for my wedding. Now I got some one. Keyword is try. Tried. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. That's, uh, it, that's, so I did, I tried to do the same and I was in, the Marines at the time, and I'm not an athlete as a baseline, and even still, I couldn't get abs. But that's the one time where you're probably the most motivated if you're not being paid. also like young enough to make it happen, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, to be able to work out consecutively and not be injured every third day. Right. Uh, this is like the most bro conversation of all time. Like, what did, what did you mention? Man? Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I was mainlining this protein powder, yeah, dude. Yeah, it was uh, I'm still waiting on that protein powder endorsement. So I was counting my macros, man. It was uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've been kind of out of ratio. Stacking creatine, and <laughs> I assumed like once I became a Christian influencer that the protein powders would come a calling, but so far it I may not be your like key demo if you think about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's more like Bibles and journals and stuff. It's yeah, nice that people need those things. Uh, but another thing we do have in common is we have severely outkicked our coverage, plenty of pun intended, as oh, far hey. as Dude, we got. We have beautiful wives, yeah, and we're incredibly. That was a that was a football pun. It was, yeah. Oh, you're you're a good looking man. You don't give yourself enough credit. I've been thinking about it all day, though. Like, what kind of what kind of football jokes can I make with the Rogers fam? No, but really, like the, these Rogers boys, <laughs> they be they be marrying or getting engaged to incredibly attractive women, and they're I mean, there's not much to write home about as far as these guys and their. We're looks. very humble about our our good looks. <laughs> they, I mean, you hide them behind a exquisite beard. 
I tried, yeah, trying to camouflage, man. <laughs> yeah, this beard is on its way. Yeah. Wife isn't a big fan of the beard. Oh, but, she's not? No, but I keep telling her it's winter, and this is what this is what I do during the winter is I grow a beard. Um, although I didn't do it last year, so it's not a great argument. No. Um, but I told but this her, is your first year married, right? Yeah. So she's getting a fatter, hairier version of me, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> this, is the, this is what we do. We, like, we sell our absolute best selves right, yeah, and like, then let ourselves go. Yeah, mostly. Like, I had some good stubble, and you know, I was probably weighing about 225, and now you're about 265 for a big beard. <laughs> I, mean, you, I mean, you closed the deal. I mean, there's no reason to be shredded Yeah, that's a story in itself, but yeah. I know. No All right, so uh, I wanted to talk about a few things in your background. You're a little harder to find out about other than – I prefer uh, it that way. Yeah, compared to your other bros, but – you spent some time in Thailand. I did. For I mean, was it just to sample the exquisite pad no, Thai? This is so. Man, my story. Um, Tell I, me. So I finished. I was I was pre med in my undergrad. Mm-hmm. Um, part of the reason I didn't play sports either was that in college is that I really I really thought I wanted to go to med school. So it's quite a. There are some people that pull off like collegiate sports and and medicine. Probably have quite a few. Just I didn't think I could. That's ridiculous. I don't multitask very well. Yeah. So uh, also kind of want to enjoy college. So I was pre med, and when I graduated, it took me four and a half because I didn't really decide that till my sophomore year. I just kind of dabbled around, you know, college. Yep. Uh, I always joke, Chico State, best five years of my life. Harvard of the West. Harvard of the West. Um. About that time, my brother left Cal early. And I and was like, hey, will you move out with me wherever I get drafted? I said, sure, that sounds good. I need to study for the MCAT anyway. I'm not gonna like go directly to med school. I'm kind of burned. So I did that. I moved to Green Bay for nine months and studied for the MCAT. Took the MCAT, did did well. It was so burned out, like really, really burned out. You were just straight wake up and waking up and studying. And I had a job too. I worked out there, so I, I worked and I studied. So it was full time, full time. Um, <laughs> crazy. I had a lot of like fun job. I just tried everything out there. Did I worked in sheet metal for a week and I hated it. <laughs> then I drove. A, really I, saw that one through. Dude, I went you? to. I work, well, you think about like it's industrial Midwest. So I went to work for a um, a machine shop like that made prototype machine. They built like the drive shafts for like Dodge Durangos or Rams or something. But I drove the delivery truck, so I got to see all of the Midwest. I'm from California. I never really spent any time out there, so that was really fun. Hmm. And Friday I took the like the the it was two two brothers that owned the business and their dad had been the previous owner. And so they still like patronized him. And, and on Fridays I drove him around and he got to like point things out and take scrap metal to the yard. So I was doing that and study. And it was actually an interesting, that is interesting. interesting job, but I was so burned out at the end of that and didn't want to stay in Wisconsin for the winter. Yeah. So I, uh, I was at this crossroads where like, man, I'm so burned out. I really want to do medicine. I just invested like four and a half years of my, of my undergrad, six months of, studying six seven months of studying what's the draw to medicine though i just could do that it random? i don't know my dad's a chiropractor and he had said if, if you you know i was like what I, should i do what you do and he's like if i was to do it over again i would i would get my do be a, a do instead of a of a dc I so see. i was like okay because i didn't really know what i wanted to do mm-hmm. um i just knew that i was like smart enough to do it and so i did real well on all of everything and then Hit this crossroads where I was like, I don't know exactly what I feel like I'm supposed to do. Like I want to have, like I want to, I want a calling. Like we all want a calling, right? I want yep. a calling. So I had this idea at 23 years old that if I gave like a year of my life to God, that He would tell me what to do. And it seems like it's so simple. It seems simple, right? It seems <laughs> naive as well, but I knew that also that I wanted to to go surf somewhere. So I ended up moving to Australia right after. Right after. That's the reality show, right? 
No, uh-uh. This is, I went to did a DTS with YWAM. So I went to Bible school, essentially, for oh, okay. six, six months. In You're my second YWAM Six months interview. in the Sunshine Coast, a little town called Maruchador in uh, Queensland, Australia. Okay. And then once we'd finished our, our school part of it, they sent us out, and we did, like, service projects and whatnot. And so we ended up living at an orphanage in Thailand for about a month, Snap. which was unreal, man. The kids there, like, it's, it really, it's li- it was life-changing in, in a hundred different ways, but really just to be with kids that have been abandoned and like just they're just looking want to be loved on and you get to do that and then they had us do odd things they'd never done before like we built an extra room onto the orphanage i never built anything like that or framed yeah but they're like i mean this is their only option they got these you know these three four you know white dudes like they're up there like you guys can you guys build a room for us okay we'll get (laughs) (laughs) what year was this this is uh 2006 Mm. So I turned 24 in Australia, and I was one of the old guys on the DTS. Most of those people at YOM decided to go after high school. Um, what does that stand for? Christina youth, told me. Youth with a mission. No, I mean DTS. Discipleship training school. Okay. All right. So it really was just like an immersive Bible school that was kind of compacted into all kinds of, you know, with the Old Testament, New Testament, like the. So you learned a ton biblically, a ton. Yep. but then also you're trying to live out yep. some of that. A novel it was cool. So I lived with like 10 dudes in this house where. Woke up every morning. I don't think I wore a shirt for six months. Like, <laughs> dude, we run down and get in the surf at like six a.m. That's so surf dope. for an hour, dr- jump out, and the, the little bus. None of us had cars or anything. The bus would come pick us up, and it was like there was probably three other guys from the U.S. There was like two dudes from New Zealand. There was a couple Canadians. There was a couple guys from Switzerland. So dudes from all over the world. You got to kind of become pals with. Still, I mean, I was in a couple of their weddings. Like, still talk to three, four of the guys. You know, here this is. Almost 15 years later. Yeah. 14 years later. So that had a pretty significant impact. Yeah. So I know. basically decided when I was out there, we had a fast, we had a fast during the week. And it was pretty impactful. Like it was. Every just, week? No, just this one week we had a fast. No, oh, yeah, okay. I got been real skinny. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it was funny. I kept just like, I, I wanted, and not to get like too like churchy, Christian-y or anything, but like I I'll want take really, it. really wanted like God to speak and tell me where to go and what to do with my life. And mm-hmm. And I kept asking them, God, like, what is it you want me to do? And I was, I kept feeling like that the answer I was getting back was, well, what do you want to do? And well, that's I, nice to get. And I was like, that's not what I want to hear. Right. You know, and, um, but w- through that process, it was like, I know what I don't want to do. And that's all maybe, it's, maybe also as important as knowing what you do want to do. And I knew at that point, I didn't want to go to med school. The pre- just the idea of, Jumping into another four years of school and then two years of residency and then getting out and then that's the thing I needed I have to do for the rest of my life. Seems like too much of a box that for me to, to live inside of. Yeah. Just for my personality. Um, that is a pre- very defined track. Right. You know, and then you know, look back looking back now, being thirty seven, looking back almost thirty eight here, it would have I'd be on a completely different track. Wouldn't be sitting here. I mean that's probably sure. pretty stressed out. Yeah, and I don't you know, I wouldn't know if I'd be in Nashville. I don't know, you don't necessarily know where I'd be, but yeah. I don't know if I'd be here. Um, so that it, it's cool, man. Like it was a really life altering, like paradigm shifting trip to sleep on a concrete floor, a dirt floor, or the blanket mm-hmm. for essentially three months. Like be around people that have nothing, and yet act like they have that, and act completely content. Yeah. Or people that just need loved. Just don't the kids just want to be loved on, and that's all they're. That's that changes their lives. There's just like a lot of really, even unpacking it now. This this far far removed, it's still pretty amazing to think about the things that I that I got to see and do and 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 be but anyway that that's a long version of the story to say that when I came home um I knew I wasn't going back to med school 
came home after a year. Uh, knew that a pre-med degree didn't get me exactly where I needed to be either, so I figured I could go get a master's in business. That'll give me more options. Need more options, right? And an extended college experience. Right, yeah. So I moved to San Diego and did that. I want to be somewhere I could surf too, so I continued the surfing thing. Heck moved yeah. to San Diego. How did the swells compare to Australia? Oh, the water is so much better. It's warmer and better in Australia. Oh, yeah? There's some good spots in San Diego. I'm not going to lie, but the water is cold pretty much year-round. Mm. Like, I didn't wear a wetsuit the entire time. Was, like, there was times in the summer when I first got to Australia, which is like January, summer, the water was so warm you could almost feel yourself like sweat in it. Oh, when you were, yeah. When you were like surfing, it was that warm. Um, in San Diego, it's like 70 and, degrees Yeah, time. in the winter in Australia, like the most you needed was just like a, a rash guard top, like a topper never got cold like mm. in, in san diego it never gets warm you basically wear a wetsuit year round you might in the middle of summer you'd be cold but you might get away with like going in your board shorts. To live in that environment i'm hot all the time so so uh, hey it's a big man problem i mean like <laughs> here i'm hot all the time yeah my wife really like complains because i all i talk about is like, god are you hot i'm just freaking hot right anyways so you got back go get your mba san diego state and then what uh when does pro merch come along it was about middle of uh Probably like middle of my second year. You full time? Yeah, full-time kind program? of. I'm a full time student at the time, but what I did was I had this idea and I thought it was a good idea. And um, so I just started dabbling, just not super serious, but just wanted to like kind of just test the waters. Because I, I, had, I had a little bit extra time. I had extra time because I was a student, right? So I had this idea that like when I went to NFL games, especially, that like the offerings in the, in the pro shop were just the same the same and overpriced like, and the same they've been for like 30 years this is, I mean, this is 2007 so i'm looking at like there wasn't like a whole lot of innovation being done in like jerseys t-shirts anything anything like, yeah all that stuff right it was just <clears> the same <throat> the same same which now people think it's really cool because it's come back around right right but the, i saw there's a need in the marketplace and so the long long the short is i got some nfl dudes that i know involved and we did an, i did like a licensing deal with them to use their likeness because one thing that the players own in the licensing spaces. They own what they look like. So their name, their number, what they look like. They own that per personally. Now, if you work with more than five players in, in the NFL for one, or I believe it's four in Major League Baseball, then the next one you have to have a, a player, like a union license. And so we end up doing that. End up getting ourselves into Target. I broke a Target deal. We're in 2,200 Target stores, I believe. Dang. Nationwide. So we went from doing something in my bedroom to having like a full time. That's a real gig. freaking business. Yeah. And then learned a lot of hard lessons. And this is your first like foray into yeah. Yeah. business. And now you're doing scaled I mean, we threw CPG a, type we threw deals. A Super Bowl party one year. I had like eight Hall of Famers at the party. Like, like it was like That's crazy bananas. at one point. Yeah. Are you swimming in money at this point? No. Uh uh. No. Because the th problem is, yeah, the problem is that we, we scaled it too fast for one. And for two, we reinvested everything back into the company. Yeah. And we to just had, keep growing. Yep. And we had a series of unfortunate events that kind of just that ended up ending the, the thing. And I mean, really, after six years, like in three months, it went, the entire thing went away. Wow. And it mostly was due to licensing, like the fact that, well, and, and being reliant on big on a big box partner, which. Like our, that was your huge leg to stand yeah, on. Yeah. And that, I mean, and admittedly so, those kind of places are brand killers like they, they don't care there's another one in line right yep so we just got really got we got screwed over by our our, our partners and mm. yeah and then i, I was so that deal disintegrated yeah and i was yeah that went and then the nfl jumped in we were done so well the nfl jumped in 
and they didn't really didn't want us in the same space they were too because we were selling better than they were and so then we kind of got blocked from a lot of different things and it just ended up being not a viable that's what you get for being good right right but you know what thing is is i don't have any i don't have any regrets in the sense i wouldn't have done anything different like i we tried to do everything me and my partner do everything we, we did with uh, with integrity yeah um and do the right thing and pay our bills and 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 honor our contracts and a lot of that stuff you know is, i'm sure a lot of you know and you know that the stuff doesn't really happen a lot in the business world people just people will do what they do to get ahead and and do you know and what it doesn't the consequences are reg- right it's just business it's just business and so, so did you did you end up like going away with any money at all or is it no. pretty just like no, we paid it we paid all our debts and then so on to up, the next thing close it up Whew. yeah i mean that's that's a i mean i i would think yeah go ahead uh you know you talk to a lot of business leaders that talk about you know failing fast and failing forward like i'm sure you did learn a ton of really helpful business lessons, but I don't. I doubt anybody wants to sign up to run a business that freaking disintegrates in three months. Sure, no. Uh, after six years, yeah. No, I would yeah. think uh, you'd rather learn that in business school <laughs> yeah. as a, as a t- as a case study, right? You're like, ah, man, that's a bummer. <laughs> yeah, instead of like, I mean, that must have been a multi multi million dollar business mm-hmm. on the top on the top line. It was, yeah. I mean, we had ten million dollar POs. So. Yeah. I mean, you know, when you're looking at valuation, 20x cap. I mean, yeah, it's an it was a, a good business, and our whole thing was that once we this got is through pre Amazon being like the behemoth that it is now, yeah. like you're doing a significant yeah significant amount of online business, Shopify, and all that kind of stuff, and um, yeah, it was it was a yeah, fun it was a fun time. It also was. Man, it's one of those things too. Like this is—I don't know what to do with this. Still today, this is, and this is how many years later? So it was, this was six years now, six years ago now. Like two. I think we always can look back on our lives and like you can understand why things happen, mm-hmm. and kind of look at the grander plan and like, okay, that makes sense. I st- I still can't really make sense of that, and I like it's still just a big blip on your life. Yeah, and you know what, know what man? I think sometimes, and here's the thing: sometimes, and this is. This is just like me trying to mature. And I think that sometimes we don't uh, don't always get that satisfaction. I mean, there's a lot of things that we will look back, and a lot of people can look back on their lives and say, "I don't know why that happened," and maybe we don't know the side of heaven. Yep. Um, it's frustrating because you look at like, "Hey, that was six years of my life. I could have really been farther doing something else." Um, but what I, mm, I just don't know that I would do it. Would do something different. I'd still still yeah. chase that because it 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 really did. Because, I mean, it was a good idea in yeah. the right time with the, the right, right space connections. And there's a couple of companies that actually swooped up all of our – most of our contracts, like our, our retired athlete contracts. Roots of Fight is one. Mm-hmm. Um, like 47. Mm-hmm. These guys went and swooped up the things we had done. And they're – So that they validates just, the idea there. So. I mean, Roots of Fight got bought by Under Armour, and they had they – had, they kind of was – just the timing was right, and they weren't vested in leagues. That was the – if we do it over again, you, it's this thing. You you can do current players in the league, or you can do retired players, which is you don't deal with any with all the licensing restrictions the league puts over you or the union. So maybe I'd do that differently, but at the same time, like we never would have been able to scale our business and been in every single Target store if we hadn't 
gone and brokered league deals. Yeah. So it's just that's no, it's yeah not very interesting. But I, I mean to back back to your point, back to <laughs> it's interesting to me because I I I would like to run a company one day and if this doesn't work out, uh, <laughs> which it very well might not. But I I don't think I mean. I'm pretty sure there's nowhere in the Bible that guarantees that God is going to tell you no. what your plan or what the point. I mean, the point is for his glory and for you to live for him right. and love your neighbor. That's it. I mean, it's not like I, don't, I think people have a very common misconception that you're supposed to understand every well, event in your life. I also think that we live in a space, too, where we are always living for that next thing. And it's a destination, right? We're always living for that destination, whatever yeah. that may be. And God has always been the God of the journey. Like it was, it's about, it's about the Exodus. It's about making his people stay in the wilderness until they learned. Right. Yep. And about that journey or till that God was never, God has always promised that he'll be there at our destination, but for him, it isn't ever that destination. It's always the journey and the process. And I think that's the, that is a lot. I think that's a big problem in our society today too, though, is that no, we, a lot of us guilty. I'm guilty as the next dude. Guilty as hell to, to living living like for the next thing and not being present. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And that's uh, and that's maybe the answer too. In a lot of ways, is that maybe he wants you to be freaking content. Or maybe he had you know maybe yeah that or maybe there was like something there was some movement or some or some refining of character things or there was lessons to be learned there and you just don't ever know that's the thing maybe this side next side of, this side of heaven will never know that maybe there's something that happened in there that 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 really had it worked out that had been catastrophe or ruin yeah. or you know maybe god is really looking out looking out for me and if he's a good and sovereign guy that cares about even the smallest things and numbers the hairs on our head you know and knew us in our mother's wombs then he cares enough about the big things as well that the small things are the big things and that's a confusing thing in some ways but all i'm saying is that like i'm with you this path is the path i'm on and this is the path i'm supposed to be on and, yeah and i i can't i'm not going to question i do question in my my humanity and me question like why did why did i have to learn a lesson that way because it why? feels like a failure in some oh ways. yeah it, it feels like a yeah it, a, a condemnation to like uh yeah you weren't good enough or you didn't do it good enough yeah but i can't look back and say what like I said, I don't know what I would have done differently. Right. And maybe, I mean, like, f you know, putting myself in your shoes, maybe it was purely just a maturity thing, like him saying, like, look, you probably put a lot of identity in this freaking business, yeah. and this will go away overnight uh, just as I gave it to you. Right. And, I mean, you know, can you imagine being married during that time? No. Like, I could have done it if I was married. Right, because I, yeah. I didn't pay myself for yeah. So I'm sure a you, year plus. Yeah, I'm sure you like also gained some level of maturity and like self awareness that is probably gonna help you in marriage than you maybe would have trying to run that freaking business right. and, and put it in her second. Yeah, marriage is way more important than that. Yeah, in the, the day, and that's you know it's the, that's the economy of God, and really, ah man, it's a, it's a crazy anyway. So that yeah, that kind of led me. That's actually what brought me to Nashville, opened an office here for for Pro Merch with my business partner Austin. And it was right at the tail end of Jordan's career here, so it was fun to get to, you know, be around. And then he went to the NFL, and um, we ended up getting to live together, like, in the offseason uh, here. That's dope. And then we became roommates. And so so you all have a good relationship. Yeah, because, you know, he's six and a half years younger than me. So by the time that I was, you know, in college, he was in high school. And by the time I had left and gone to Australia, he was finishing high school. And all these different, so we kind of didn't ever get to be grown-up friends. 
and that gave us a real cool opportunity to do that. And that's that, fun. It was awesome, man. It was so awesome to be like to be, be become best buds with your baby brother. Yeah. Um, and see him progress through his oh, career. Oh yeah. No, from, so sometimes I still think he's like that little twelve year old kid. You know that when I'd have been eighteen plus and freshman in college, like he he's this little twelve year old kid, right? And, uh, but he's dude. He's the he's the best. He's, he's crushing it now. He's the best. He and really is. Like he's an example too, because of somebody that probably could have squandered the fame. And right. he's. It seems like he's pivoted that into something that's more sustainable. Yeah. The SEC commentary deal. The the freaking whatever house rehab show. Cash pad. Cash and, pad. Yeah. Like all that stuff is more recurring than being a freaking reality star. Right. Like for those listening, Jordan. Rogers was on the Bachelor, is Bachelorette, and is engaged yeah. to JoJo. Uh, getting married this summer. Getting married this summer. Yeah. I, I haven't seen the invitation yet, but I assume it's it's going to be sent. Oh, it's pretty elaborate. Yeah, it, it, it shows up in person. Oh, okay. In, a, in a giant bejeweled box. Good, good. Yes. Okay, good. Yeah. No, I'll I'll be I'll be on the lookout for that. Look, we've all got bills to pay, so let's take a quick second to hear from my sponsors, and we'll be right back to our conversation. Hey, you, let's talk about pants. A pretty necessary item for most people in the world these days. More specifically, let's talk about pants from MacWeldon.com. Mac Weldon, who's one of our newest sponsors for the Breaches and Sneakers podcast, believes in smart design, premium fabrics, and a simple shopping experience. They will be the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, sweatpants, and more that you will ever wear. They even have a line of silver underwear and shirts that are naturally antimicrobial. For me, I purchased a couple pair of sweatpants, which are immensely comfy, a couple pairs of stretchy work pants, because Lord knows I need that in 2020, and then a few pairs of boxer briefs, if you cared to know what I wore in that regard. There you go. For my listeners only, you can go to MacWeldon.com and use the code PREACHERS to get 20% off your first order. That's right, if you go to MacWeldon.com, use the code PREACHERS, you get 20% off your first order. Do it now! Um, but yeah, so, so Luke is the much wiser, uh, more seasoned, uh, member of the family. So that's cool that y'all are, y'all are homies still. Yeah. And he, they live in Dallas, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I would like to connect with them at some point. Um, if not just to dab them up. So what are are you doing in Nashville now? Or like, what is, do you have any businesses now? I know you're. No, I don't like, which is actually, um, nice (laughs) after the last experience. It's some stability. Like, like completely like transparently honest is that like a part of me is very gun shy like and I, I think i have an entrepreneurial spirit but like a lot of me is real gun shy to take that risk and i have a family yeah. i got married last april and um so it's not just like my own skin i'm risking here i totally get that so like knowing deep down that's like i could do it like if i went on yeah. and i could do it but yeah. also like you have this new responsibility to say hey i'm not going to be some like overzealous risk taker now that i'm in charge or I have someone else to right. be responsible what, for. Is the juice worth the squeeze? Like, right. I mean, like you have pr- to basically die or like sell out to yeah. whatever idea that is in order to see it be successful. And it's tough, like being men. Like our our pride is intrinsically wrapped up in our vocation, right? And the things yep. we do, and then our perception of our own success, and also the world's perception of our success, whether we want to admit it or not, is we're really wrapped up. And I think that's a lot of man. Like when we we're ta- grabbing coffee and talking about fame, like. That's a lot of what I think is really brilliant about what you've done with your platform is it exposes the trappings of fame. It exposes the trappings and of 
of money, the love of money, or, or even just the perception of that, because I'm not going to, we can't, I'm not going to say you're judging one's heart, but the perception of that is what's important, especially in the ministry. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think going back to the thing, I think one of the things that's, that's been interesting to sit in my shoes is just understanding, um, and actually, talk, I had lunch with my pastor, Darren Whitehead, last week, and we talked about this a bit just because— What church is that? Church of the City in Franklin. Church of the City. Yeah, that's Chris McClarney's church. Yeah, I've yeah, met yeah. Chris, yeah. Big shouts out to Chris McClarney. He, he always rocks his, his Beluga Yeezys. <laughs> yeah. I noticed that. He always sends me I gave Darren. I gave Darren a little grief. I was like, man, when are you going to bust out some shoes and get on preachers? And he's like, man, nah, I don't think so. I don't Careful what you wish for. Yeah, exactly, right? Um, but— What dude, do you think? I mean, what do you think about—I mean— you know, you've experienced different levels of this whole fame thing, um, and you and I connected purely over the account. Right. Um, I, you know, I don't want this podcast to be stroking my ego, but, like, what do you think about, I guess, the greater discussion around fame and consumerism and celebrity within church? I, I mean, I think, honestly, um, fame is the biggest trap that there is, and it's honestly the— I think it's the worst managed thing that we that we as humans can have because at the end of the day, like the human soul and people, we weren't meant to be worshipped. And there's a lot mm. of idolization that goes on, whether you end up on the Instagram or the or the social media or you end up on the TV. People, I mean, you just, all you have to do is look at our election cycle and, and think about how much money is spent to put people's faces on our TV. Yep. You know, to influence what we think and do and our respect and our thoughts, right? And so it's, it's a shaping tool. Fame we weren't ever meant to be famous. Um, mm. and I was th we just weren't. We weren't meant to be worshipped. We, we see that, like, I think ultimately there are very few people that become uber famous and are able to use their platform to not be self-serving or, right. or to that it doesn't expose their worst traits and then also and then ultimately become their ruin. Whether And, and ruin from... Ruin's an interesting thing, and I, I don't want to be careful what I'm saying, but like in the sense of like ruin, in the sense of like you lose the things that are are actually important. So it ruins your your marriage, your relationships, your um, you know across the board, whatever. Your I always, sense of reality. I mean, I always said that like the God's economy, that, that um, currency, the, the people are the currency of heaven. Like so, so, so God, people are what matters most, right? But in man's economy, it's not. It's the individual. It's money. Those things sit above people mm -hmm. and fame it puts you again at the top of that of that of man's economy and it's just a you're enabled in a lot of ways mm -hmm. because people will let you off the hook for things that normal that's normal well that's normal people will like probably wouldn't be left out let let off the hook for right mm. um from a character standpoint, um, even from a legal standpoint, yeah. we see that play out. Uh, Don't you think it could be the opposite, though? Like some people get eviscerated on social media sure. for saying certain things while common people wouldn't. Sure. Um, right. And that, but that's that's a double edged sword, right, of, of fame is that you do you, you kind of sign you up have a that. bigger megaphone. But it also have a bigger spotlight. So, yeah, you know. Yeah, I've 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 thought about this now, especially like you know, with the prospect of doing the whole book thing, how, how to, cause yes, everyone brings up how ironic it is that I am making a few dollars from this now. And most likely we'll have some type of notoriety around this, um, how to deal with <laughs> being a, like a quote unquote celebrity through this 
in a healthier way than maybe some people on Instagram are doing it. I don't know what the answer is because like naturally I, I like attention. I like making people laugh. I like the idea that what I'm doing is important or is, is helpful or is entertaining um, and would love for someone to, you know, like fulfill a writer contract for me with a bunch sure. of freaking exquisite snacks and drinks. Um, <laughs> but there again, only Brown M&Ms <laughs> yeah, and lukewarm Red Bulls. Oh, yeah, exactly. uh, but the, you know, the, the idea still holds true. It's like, if we're just as believers, like if we're to point towards the creator of the universe, there should never be, I don't think any situation where it's like, it's about me, bro. Like, right. this is how funny and awesome I am. Right. And so it's like this bigger discussion around, if there's any appropriate place for celebrities, because then there's like, so like a lot of people bring up the, the con Justin Bieber's and Kanye's conversion. It's like, okay, objectively they're reaching a ton of people. I don't right. know if it's, I, I can't say whether or not it's reaching them with the right thing or not, but objectively they're reaching a ton of people yet still maintaining like, Hey, this is Justin freaking Bieber, huge, right. like mega star security detail, everything. What is that? Like why? I mean, naturally people idolize these guys more than right. the creator of the universe. And so I just don't know what to do with that. I mean, that's a, that's a tough question. I mean, ultimately it requires us to sit in a place of judgment, like judgment seat of God, which I don't, I don't want to sit there yeah. um, and judge their hearts. But I mean, it would, it would seem, and I would hope that like in the situations of Kanye and like and Bieber, that they are, a really good example of redeeming the platform they've been given. Yeah. But okay. It, but here's, and here's the thing though, is that it's amazing. Yes. Their reach is now amazing for, for the name of Jesus, the spotlight and the microscope have gotten that much bigger though, that every, every little time we fail, we're all going to fail. Like we're, I mean, we're essentially built to fail yep. because of, because of our flesh. Yep. They're going to have, they're going to trip and fall. And it's gonna be that much of a bigger, uh, of a bigger spotlight and microscope on that, right? So now that's the risk that they're playing with now, like, right? Because they're everyone is it just. I mean, partially waiting, why, almost waiting. Yeah, right? I mean that's oh, what so partially why my account blew up is like people love to have a reason to hate on Christians that say, "Hey, I'm trying my best to live for something bigger." See, than hypocrisy. Myself. People want to point out hypocrisy. Yeah, but it's it's like the pastor of my church uh, talks about all the time. It's like this is a a place for sick people to come. Like this right. isn't a place where perfect people come. Right. Uh, it, of course there's hypocrites. Like everyone's hypocritical because we're all mother freaking sinners. Right. And none of us, if we claim to have this whole thing figured out or claim to be without sin, then uh, we're doomed. Right. So yeah, so that's, a, that's a really good point about like, they just have to be so careful. And I, you know, I was thinking about, we, before I was coming here, I was thinking about, I was just pulling a Jerry Jones and thinking about stuff in the shower. Um, <laughs> but I was thinking about Jesus, right? If we're, if we're supposed to follow Jesus, I mean, that's what we say we, we do as Christians and we want to follow Jesus and emulate Jesus. He avoided, he avoided a lot of situations where he would have been in the spotlight. Like, I mean, he didn't want the big crowds, like, even though he got them anyway. Hmm. Um, I, well, I don't know why I was thinking about this and I don't even know what to make of this, but when Satan tempted him and took him on the mountain and showed him that, oh, you know, I'll give you all of this. I'll give you all of this if you bow down to me. There's something somewhat, in my mind, somewhat similar in a sense of, like, you to gain all of that. The world, the platform, right. the attention, the perks. You, you're, you're essentially putting some of that stuff above God, which is an idol. 
And like, how do you, how do you defend against that? I don't know. And I mean, I don't, I just don't know. And I I don't know what the right answer is. I just know that like, I'm agreeing. I'm agreeing with you. Like naturally as humans, if we're given those things, how do we, how do we not fall into that stuff? Meaning so much more to our our lives than following Jesus. Like, because it tastes so good and it feels so good. Like having a small ounce of people being like, oh shit, you're, you're the Preachers and Seekers guy. Whoa, dude, you're so hilarious. Ooh, that feels good to me. Right. And that feels too good to me. Right. It makes me feel like, oh yeah, I did this. I'm awesome. Right. And that's such a drug. Oh, it is. It's living for the applause of man, right? Like yeah. that, that's, I think it's a heart check. Like it's like, am I living for the applause of man or, living, or am I living for the, you know, for the applause of my savior, for the well done, good and faithful servant. Like, and to, I, if we all checked ourselves, we all live for the applause of man. So, yeah. so, so often. I mean, just think about the things we, we put on our feet. I put on our, what things we wear. We want to be unique. Or we we do, want to be right? seen. Right. That's and such we a want good to word. be perceived a certain, yeah, it's, it's a perception thing. That's what I think always is, is really interesting to me about the account is it's the perception. It's that not, having nice things is not inherently bad and having awesome, desirable, scarce shoes. I love that stuff. I mean, I, there's, I won't joke with my wife. Don't I spend money on two things. I spend money on shoes and bourbon. <laughs> and now that I'm married, I don't get to spend hardly any of it. <laughs> on either. On either. <laughs> but, um, don't know. Those things are inherently bad. It's the having them have you. Yeah. Having them have you. And I think it's also the perception that those that those things bring right it's yeah. the it's like what message are you sending if we really are like there's psychologically if we're if if, if what we say is 60 percent body language so people are reading us what is that 60 or i don't know if that's the right percentage but i know it's something it's something more than 50 percent yeah. right the okay. things that we perceive we actually perceive body language and uh, more, more than, than what's said words. right then what do we then if if we're in a pedestal where we put ourselves you and I, as followers of Jesus, or in the ministry, then I think it's, we have to find that place to be careful to say, what, what are we serving? You know, you know, a lot, a lot of arguments are, let's be, and this is crazy. I just think about this all the time. Like, that's why I actually love the account. Not, you know, and then you're a funny dude. So I'm stroking it here. Thank you. Right. But I mean, like, it's entertaining to see, but like, it, are, are, why, the per, why, 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 I mean, why are we, who are we trying to impress at the end of the day, right? And the argument of all things to all people to me is such a hollow and ridiculous and stupid argument because a pair of sneakers didn't save anybody's soul. I'm sorry. Like, it's not. Yeah. You know, and if I think in, in some ways, if you're wearing, if you dress yourself in the, it reminds me of the Pharisees back in the day that, that wanted to look a certain way, right? And it was pi- it was to be pious and to be, and to be holy, and that was what that was what was attainable. I think that if we look at our culture now, that's not the pinnacle. The pinnacle is like to be is to look famous and and affluent and special, right? And have big influence, right? Like uh, this influencer thing. Be sought after yeah. as a speaker, and you know, it at a micro level, I I imagine every single person on my account would say like, dude. These were given to me. These things don't own me. I've given away a bazillion dollars. Sure. But at a macro level, you know, there's a bigger cultural discussion like, dude, this is clearly like a shit ton of consumerism and clearly celebrity. We're clearly treating 
a lot of these guys as celebrities right. videoing them as they get out of the car walking into the worship center like that you know is god okay with that or does he care if if we're treating like you know this is on us for idolizing these dudes 100%. like like you see it in the hearts of people in the comments like you know there's a limit and you can tell who idolizes who because of who defends them so like a lot of people were okay with my account until i posted about tim tebow and then thousands of people came at me about <laughs> me saying tim tebow you know i was clearly making a joke but they freaked out saying yeah oh. it was clearly satire <laughs> yeah, like, to me it's like oh, the babylon yeah. b when you have snopes like checking fact checking the babylon b and you're like yeah, have we, have we been so quick to be angry that we forget that I, there's satire? People out are there? so quick to to want to get me. They they're waiting to get me, and I'm not going to let them get me. But uh, it's it just so is a picture about who we idolize, and all of us are guilty of idolizing people. Like yeah. if I saw if I saw John Mayer in the streets, I'd probably freak the frick out. Yeah. Um, but that's John Mayer. <laughs> like that's the first thing that comes to your mind. <laughs> yeah. I mean he's yeah. I mean I you know, shamefully idolize that guy. Bill Murray. Bill me. Murray. <laughs> I'd freak out. Yeah, so, I mean, that's something that we all have to contend with. But even in the ministry context, that's ridi- I mean, it's ridiculous to make – so, like, I was talking to Shane Claiborne about this um, earlier this week, and he basically was saying, like, for a guy that was born in a manger, killed on a cross, and buried in a borrowed tomb, you sure can make a lot of money off of preaching about that guy. And yeah. you sure can get a huge ass platform. Uh, he didn't say that, but by speaking about that guy, it yeah. seems jacked up to me. Sure does. Um, I also think that like the tradition of ministry, you know, over the ages, has been one of like servitude and and piety. You know, I'm re- actually I'm, I'm a nerd. I'm reading a book right now about the Knights Templar, um, the entire history, and they're like, and, and I started thinking it actually has interesting parallels because. One of the things they that they talked about in going into the ministry, and there's all kinds of screwed up things about their about their theology and and dogma. But the idea was is that if you went in service of of God, you gave up all of the things. Like you you chose a life of um, what's the right word? Basically, being poor, mm-hmm. right? Um, this this is my, my personal thing. Is goes for the ministry. It also goes for politicians and it's like if you choose to be in a business or vocation say a vocation of public service or servitude then having a lot of things and nice things and having a lot of money it comes completely into conflict with your your job description and and you know i could be wrong about this but that's my thing like you don't go into politics to become rich and yet that's what we're seeing Hmm. You don't. I don't think you go into the ministry to become rich, and yet that's what we're seeing on on the on a portion of that spectrum. Mm-hmm. And it seems very much in conflict with their job description. Yeah. And so, I mean, I think that's what you kind of hit a nerve with that, and it hits a nerve with me. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're, yeah, I'm not going to name any politicians for the keeping this not political, but if you went into po- to not a millionaire into into the politics, and you've come out a millionaire now. I think there's a problem with that. Hmm. I don't think that's. I don't think that's self-serving and not self, serving. Serving 100%, of the people. And that's the key right there. Yeah, and it, but I mean, you know, it's it's difficult to make that judgment from Instagram. But to your point, is that that doesn't matter. It's like you're curating the image that you're putting out into the sphere. Right, and your point to all that is, you posted this picture out there. Like you're not you're not going and like and having people 
preachers and sneakers people show up in their in their hoodies and take photos of people preaching. This is what they've chosen to put out on their own platforms. Yep. So and what message are you sending? Yeah. It sounds like you're seeing like you want to be seen, right? right. I mean, that's what it looks like. That's what it looks like. Yeah, and it also looks like look, look at the cool stuff I have. Right, and if not, say that. Or if not, and people question you about the sneakers and you know calling you a wolf in sheep's clothing, sheep's clothing, own the sneakers. I don't, I, I don't know, or put your account on private. So it's like that's the thing. It's like I've I've talked with several that people can't give that up though. That's they can't. I know. Yeah, it's but the, the the addiction. They like the, they like the benefits of having five hundred thousand followers, but they don't want any criticism that comes from having their life in the public sphere. It's like perfect example is like John Gray had a, had a reality TV show on Oprah's network. Yeah. And then he publicly like took over this church in South Carolina. And now him and Ron Carpenter, who has a church in, on the West coast are in this big public lawsuit feud about who's paying what lease payments. Like, dude, play stupid games, get stupid prizes. Right. 100%. Like you sign up to have a public persona publicly take over a church publicly leave Joel Osteen's church and now you're embroiled in this conflict, dude, welcome to being a public figure. Right. And the microscope got bigger because you, you asked for yeah. it. So, I mean, and so like all that is so separate from saying, uh, Jesus died for your sins. You're a sinner, like doomed to hell. And the only way to heaven is through accepting him as your savior. None of that speaks to that. All that speaks to, building my own personal brand or building my own personal platform. And that's what fires me up. Like, I don't really care about the sneakers. I just care about like the dilution of the gospel that I believe is life changing. All that other shit doesn't matter. It doesn't. And that's, and again, it also plays into the whole, like this Western prosperity gospel that, and it, without saying it, they're saying it. They're like, look at I'm I'm the pastor, and like look what God has done for me, and yet if you look at the two last two thousand years of history, like the people that sold out for Jesus and served the kingdom, they ended up upside down on crosses. Yes, they ended up martyred. They ended up, you know, they ended up giving their life in prison. Paul. I mean, you look through the entire Bible, and I just and I had to think like if Jesus is if you believe the Bible, if you believe in Jesus, you got to believe the Bible and, and the Bible one hundred percent. It's just the. the Pick cherry picking doesn't doesn't serve you, and it also doesn't you you, you don't want to follow Jesus if you you got to believe everything that's in there, right? Jesus Himself, who was fully God and fully man, like you said just a second ago, came came in a manger, right? So he avoided he avoided being famous. He hung out with 12, 12 dudes, one that he knew was gonna was gonna betray him to his death, and he let those other other eleven or so spread spread the news of him, and you know he spoke in front of big crowds. But most of the time, I think he avoided that. I think he knew that there was. I'm not gonna do. I don't do a sermon about fame. But if we're supposed to follow Jesus, I, I just don't. How do you make two things famous at the same time? Right, and I don't, I don't see. I don't, I don't think he was like wearing the, like the the coolest tivas and tunics. You know, <laughs> yeah, tivas and tunics. That's, that's another good account. But no, I. I mean, I at least get why this happens. Like, you know, Mike Todd in Tulsa is one of the best speakers I've ever heard. Yeah. Like, of course, he is going to attract more people than some sh- Joe Schmo in Nebraska. 100%. And I just, you know, I don't really know what the tangible thing to do about this is because, like, clearly he's living in his gift, like, speaking amazing. Um, I just think it's it's worth all of us examining this self, or all of this is worth examining ourselves, and it's worth 
pointing to this as a cultural thing in the big C church that we need to address, like pastors included. Right. Like, yes, maybe maybe the standards, even though it says in the Bible they're different, maybe the standards aren't different and none of us should ever have expensive sneakers. Maybe that's worth coming to the cl- conclusion to, but they it need... Be- it begs a question. Yeah. It, it, something needs to be talked about. It, yeah. It, it, we, have, we, we have to address it because... I can't imagine. I mean, I just try to think about outside of of our our first world American bubble, and what that looks like to somebody in another country following Jesus. Right. I I just I I don't I don't know how the two mix. Yeah. And it's worth. I mean, I can say I don't know what the answer is, but I know that there is there this discussion needs to be happening, and, and this platform needed to happen, and I think that's why we're why you're sitting here. I don't know why I'm sitting here. Maybe, yeah, I don't because I've, I, I've been questioning it the entire. You know, time I just like been. to I like to try out my jokes on. <laughs> Preachers and sneakers. <laughs> yeah, so far none have landed, but it's okay. Right. You, you got a bomb at first. Um, not but, all of us are gifted. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Uh, uh, I was ta- again. I was talking not to name drop, but I was t- talking to Shane Claiborne earlier this week, and he basically. He I, don't made know a, who, I don't know who that is. Oh, so. he's he's. You should look him up. He's the he, Shane and Chain guy. No, <laughs> no I, I, mean, I honestly don't. He's know. the third Shane. He's uh, he used to work alongside Mother Teresa. Oh, in it before she died, and then now it has this like makes his own clothes. It's like over indexes on living Jesus's lifestyle okay. like lives in poverty in Philadelphia. He's written a couple books. Um, well, is he, do you write the one about living like Jesus? I don't know. Like I haven't read living any, like Jesus. Uh, I don't know. I haven't read any of his books yet, but I plan to. So it shows how much I know, but he basically <laughs> made a good point about like Western Christians lack of proximity to suffering is what makes it so easy for all of us to live in this kind of comfy Christian bubble like if we yeah so like if we if we had more exposure to those that had actual no shit suffering I think we would have so much more heart for this kind of thing to like deny ourselves like even for me like living in Dallas I look right through the dudes that are begging for money on the side of the road because it's just so like it doesn't affect me I can basically get around it and I mean for to say that I worship a guy that spoke so much about caring for the poor, the widow, the orphan. I do a whole hell of a lot more for everything else than caring for those three groups of people. Yeah. So I think it's worth, I think it's worth all of us trying to seek those opportunities out. I, th- I mean, I'm with you. I, I always, that's why I'm such a big proponent of like, if you're, if you, if you're calling us not to be a full-time missionary, bro, I'd like to actually to take some time and do, do some short-term missions to get out and, Cause it is like eye opening, like, like kicking, kicking the nuts kind of thing to get out there and to see like, wow, what a privileged life. I mean, shoot, we got podcasts right now. We're talking on a podcast, like in the air conditioned privileged, privileged lives that we have that, um, aren't, aren't afforded or enjoyed by, you know, the majority. And if you think about the majority of, of this, of this world and, um, it's a good perspective. I, I think it's again like my whole thing with every, all of this is it's perception and perspective. It's like what message are you sending, and what is your perspective on on that message? Like is yeah, it, yeah. So yeah, I think it's. Uh, I I hope we can get answers at some point. I know we're out of time. Um, I appreciate you doing this. Yeah, I it think, didn't really go the way I expected it to. That's all right. It generally doesn't. I think to tell any any of my funny stories. I know. 
We had to be real serious. Really missed out on all of those opportunities. I should have brought some of that bourbon by. Yeah, you should have. It's that a little early for that. <laughs> I know. It's like 9 a.m. <laughs> in think Nashville. I think our wives would be like, what is wrong with <laughs> yeah, these guys? Call me back when you're so broke. Yeah. Um, if anyone, speaking of platforms, if anyone wants to find you online, is there any way they can do that? Yeah, all of my uh, accounts are the Luke Rogers. And I always, talk, I always joke with about that. With a DG, not, not a J. Yeah, it's because it's... Uh, Luke.Rogers was taken, and I'm, I think I made my account sometime after, remember the Titans came out? And it was like, the running back, y'all. <laughs> and I was like, the Luke Rogers, y'all. You definitely dated yourself when, <laughs> remember the I'm Titans old, came man. out. I'm, 30, I'm 37. <laughs> I, I'm all right with that. Like, Man, speaking of old, I went to play hoops at the Y this last week. This is the last story I'm going to give you. Okay. Uh, this kid was probably 6'7", I was guarding against, and, and uh, he was trying to play a little physical, but he's probably weighed a hundred and. 60 pounds. So I had him by 100 pounds. Yeah. And he was trying yeah. to get physical, and then I was just not letting it happen. And I started talking to him. I'm like, how old are you, man? And he's like, 17. I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> I was literally 20. Be your dad. I was 20 when you were born. <laughs> uh, so maybe I should be, like, mixing it up with a yeah. 17. This kid had some game, though. He had some did game, he? yeah. But did you check him? I mean, Oh, yeah. And I kind of feel bad for it after. Because <laughs> you hurt him? No, just like, you know, you just I, – I told him, man, I was like, if you're going to play physical, this is this is grown band basketball. <laughs> and, you know, and I'm uh, – <laughs> These are my courts at the Y. And, I, and I'm here I'm here uh, cashing checks, not writing checks. <laughs> um, so, no, yeah, it's it's – gosh. And then I hurt for the next two days. Yeah, yeah. Pride comes before the fall. Oh, Lord. All right. Yeah, man. Luke Rogers, thanks for spending some time with me. It was as uh, good as what I paid for it. Yeah, the price is right. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, let's go get some of that bourbon. Sounds good. All right. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.